What's good, y'all? This is Robert Jackson. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. And um, yeah, I know that much has been going on as of late. So um, we just, I mean, on the podcast, I usually do this just to, you know, we're just here to have positive, you know, good times and just nice chats and all that good stuff. So today we're going to be talking to a guest um, that I've been meaning I wanted to have for like a while, but so many delays kept happening so we're finally finally that we got we worked this out today so ladies and gentlemen kevin m cannoli how are you doing my good sir i'm i'm great thank you actually it's kevin m connolly okay i used to well i used to say the cannoli i'm like you know you know like cannoli oil no not really not really um, yeah. bad joke awful joke um i'm doing great man thank you so much for letting me uh, uh chat with you today i really appreciate it of course, of course. Um, so um, this is probably going to be one of my shorter ones um, because today has just kind of been like uh, all over the place. So regardless, let's get this show on the road. Yeah. So um, yeah, usually I ask, yeah, how did you get started in blah, 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 but um, yeah. I'm not going to do that. Okay. So instead, I'm going to ask you, um, so what was it that really started like, I guess, what set off that creative, like acting itch for you? Like, what was it that really set you off? Um, a girl, <laughs> a girl. Oh, in all, in all okay. honesty, there was a girl. I, I, my very first girlfriend for three months uh, in a in a youth group I was in many many years ago. She broke up with me because I was too scared to tell my parents I had a girlfriend, and I knew she was in theater. So when I was in my sophomore year in high school, um, I had to take an elective. And I thought, you know, maybe, you know, I'd get into theater and if she's still doing theater, maybe we can do theater down the road somewhere and we can hang out. Uh, weird, you know, that's my 13 year old brain process. But that very first day in acting class with my teacher, uh, who the true inspiration, uh, Mrs. Tammy Frazier, um, it within the first week, uh, I was hit with this creativity bug. And when I, and I don't mean just acting. I mean, I've been, I've been a light designer and a set designer and I do set construction and, and all that stuff. Uh, so it was that sophomore year in high school with, with Mrs. Frazier and Paula, the girl that, uh, who I'm still friends with today, actually, <laughs> you know, hung out with her, with her husband and, and twin boys many, a few years ago out here. So that's uh, all full circle, but it was her and my, and my acting teacher in high school, Mrs. Frazier, who really just, set everything off for me yeah well that is pretty interesting i really don't get something like this what sure. started what started your career in acting it was a girl yeah it was a girl totally absolutely there it is yeah. high school 13 years old what is love you know what is love <laughs> exactly exactly um but like i said um and i still i'm in touch with mrs fraser today she was uh, an am amazing teacher, and uh, she just she and her both she and, she and her husband, who I'm, I'm friends with, uh, were just amazing artists in themselves. And the enthusiasm and encouragement, and allowing us to really kind of find our creative voices through, um, you know, doing Shakespeare and 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 other plays and that kind of thing was really, really kind of where it began. And I just never stopped. So. Right on right on so yeah. uh yeah um so um with your experience of acting and all of that stuff that you've done before what would you say were some of your fondest memories like oh, did you wow. remember did you recall yeah um 
you know, it, it comes down to, I mean, it, it's getting to work with cast. You know, people often ask me, you know, you know, if I could just do, you know, because I, I call myself an actor. I'm not a voice actor. I'm an actor who does theater. I do some TV film and I happen to work a lot in voiceover. But at my core, mm -hmm. I'm an actor. I bring a character to life from a script. Um, and so theater has often been uh, really because you're work, you, you know, you're rehearsing with other people. You know, you're, I mean, you're, you're, in, you're in rehearsal for weeks and getting to really find a character and play. And so like, um, I did a play, um, uh, um, <laughs> it's called No Sex Please We're British, which is a 70s comedy. And I played this bumbling bank guy. And I remember just so many sight gags, very, you know, very Britishy humor. And it was, it was my first play in Dallas when I'd moved to Dallas. And uh, it was such a joy to work on with an amazing cast and just, almost nonstop laughing. Um, I did a, I did a, a, you know, much younger with much more hair and very much thinner. I played, um, it was Lysander in A Midsummer Night's Dream, but it was a Tex-Mex version with the San Antonio Symphony. So we had this beautiful orchestra behind us with the Children's Choir of San Antonio doing Mendelssohn's incidental music behind all of our scenes. And we're wearing like handmade uh, Native American uh, costumes and props to, uh, to, uh, to, to bring out the aspect of the approach we were taking. And it was, you know, performing for 3000 people in one of the most beautiful theaters in San Antonio, which was uh, just, there, there's nothing like that feeling of being able to experience these words written by some of the great masters of playwriting with an entire audience like that. Then I can jump to doing a play called, um, uh, gosh, what was it called? Now I can't remember. Nice People Dancing to Good Country Music, which was a three, uh, no, four person play done in a little tiny cellar theater with maybe can hold 50 people at most. And again, castmates that were amazing, and uh, but just the journey of it. We it was a it was a play where the first act was at the uh, in the parking lot of a bar, and then the second act was on a balcony kind of setting on top of the bar. And we're talking a cellar theater, so the roof was just like right here above our heads, and we actually found this miniature real pickup truck. We rolled it on its side. We pushed it into the theater, got it on the stage. And then our set designer built this entire little house frame around it for the second act to the point where the, the, the reviewer in the paper said, stay for intermission and watch a pickup truck disappear um, because it was just completely covered. Just amazing. I mean, so just experiences like that um, have been, have been truly some of my most, uh, my, my greatest memories, you know, and, and hopefully getting back to theater. I mean, I'd like to do some more theater next year, uh, to get back to that kind of energy of working with other creative people at the same time. Whereas, you know, cause in voiceover, especially with anime, it's just me, the director and the engineer, you know, we don't work with each other unless it's like a wall of session or something. So it's just, you know, all by ourselves, we do our line, we get in, we do our lines and we leave, you know, so it's a great job. Don't get me wrong, but um, there's definitely a whole different life to when you get to be with other creative artists around you and in a director and, and really bringing something to life over a matter of, of weeks. So that's it. There's my, there's my short answer. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, no, 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 no. Like I, I love hearing people ramble on, oh, yeah. especially here. Yeah. Which yeah. Is, this like really no joke. If you've like checked out any of my other interviews, like they kind of go on for like over an hour two hours because oh, we just sure. have so much to talk about oh yeah because uh, 
I, to be fair, that's partially on me because that's pretty much what I decided to, you know, <laughs> fair enough. have this podcast all laid out. But anyways, um, uh, let's see. So, uh, do, 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 do. so um, I know that this question you might have gotten off, might have gone like a few times whenever you do one of these, but how did you get started working in anime? Like what got your foot in the door with Funimation and, you know, um, sure. Got your foot in the door for anime. Um, it literally was pure accident being in the right place at the right time. It really was. And you, no one will ever be able to recreate it. I hate to say it. Um, the, 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 yeah. I'll try to do the short version of it. So when I was in grad school uh, out here, actually in UCLA, one of my classmates behind, one of, the, one of my people in the class behind me is an actor named Vic Trevino, who any of your older listeners may know if they ever watched Pee Wee's Playhouse. He was Ricardo, the world's strongest man on that show. Um, and uh, we're one of my best friends. And we took a class that we had an independent study together and which meant we made our own schedule. And one day he said, Kevin, I can't do 11 a.m. I got to do one because I've got a voiceover to do. Now, now we, and we're talking 2000, we're talking 20 years ago. So keep that in mind as a, as a, as, as a reference of information that was available then compared to now. Um, so he comes in at one o'clock and I say, so what's this voiceover thing you're talking about? And he says, well, I'm the Spanish spokesperson for Energizer. I'm like, really? I said, well, what, what, what do you do? He says, well, I'm in the studio here in LA. There's a producer in Chicago, a director in Philadelphia. And I was there for 25 minutes and I made this amount of money. And when he told me, I was like, I need to learn about voiceover. Um, so when I graduated, uh, there was a big actor strike in LA going on. And so I moved back to Texas to work at the children's theater I used to, to do set and lights and all that stuff at and, and, and teach. But then I began find, looking for every book I could find on voiceover. Um, because obviously I'd studied theater, I'd studied film, but at the time voiceover was still extremely difficult to get into, right? Yeah. And so I began just, any, I was on Amazon every day looking for just, you know, voiceover book, voiceover acting, you know, I'd ask other actors, do you do voiceovers? I said, so how do you approach a commercial compared to how do you approach animation? Look, trying to figure out, you know, the different uh, techniques that every actor might have. And so I did, about, did that for about three years. And then my, I, was, I was staying with my folks at the time. And my dad just happened to notice all these packages from Amazon coming with all these voiceover books. And he'd ask me, he said, well, didn't you learn that in grad school? I said, no, it's, it's, it's such a tiny you know, niche area. It's very hard to get into. Well, he happened to mention this to his best friend in Dallas. And he said, you know, what's funny is that in my office building, this is his friend saying this, uh, Tom Tully said, there's a voice actor. I, do you want me to ask him if he'll have lunch with Kevin and talk to him about the business? I said, yeah, sure. So my mom's from Dallas. So I drove up to Dallas, saw my family and I met this guy. Um, and I'm embarrassed now because I'm blanking on his name. Oh my gosh, he was my first teacher. This is ridiculous. Oh, getting old sucks. Don't do it. Anyway, um, it'll come to me. Uh, he was the narrator on fairy tales for Funimation, um, if that helps at all, if anybody listening. Yeah, um, so he sat with me for uh, Bob Magruder. There it is. Bob Magruder is his name. Uh, took, me to, took me to lunch. We talked about his career in Dallas. He was known as the voice of Dallas. Then he had a, he had, actually had a studio, a, a single studio in his office. Uh, so I, he took me, put me in the booth had me read some copy and said, Kevin, you're 80% there. He says, you just need some more training in how to approach voiceover. I said, great. And he happened to mention that he did a one-day workshop in Houston with a partner of his. I said, great. 
couple months later, I ended up moving to Dallas to do theater and hopefully getting into, my goal was to get into SAG after there and then come back out to LA. So I emailed him. I said, hey, Bob, we met a couple of months ago. I'd love to come to one of your workshops in Houston. If there's a newsletter or can I be put on a list, you can, you know, I get in notified about it. He says, Kevin, I've got a voiceover class here in Dallas in two weeks. You send me a hundred bucks, you're in. I could not write that check fast enough to get to him. Now, in the interim of that, I was having dinner with a friend of mine who also used to work at the Children's Theater with me, an amazing actress and singer. And she said, so Kevin, what are your goals in Dallas? And I said, well, I'm, I want to learn about voiceover. She goes, I want to learn about that too. I said, well, we'll, we'll compare notes. So she calls me the next day and says, Kevin, I found this company called Funimation. They do something with English dubs and Japanese cartoons. I said, okay, I'll see what I can find out. So me being kind of just like the, huh, I wonder what this button does. I called them and I said, hey, I'm just curious what you all do. And they said, well, we do English dubs of, I, I reached the, the, the calendar, one of the talent coordinators. And they said, well, we obviously do English dubs for Japanese or you know, an Asian uh, produ produced uh, animation. I said, great. So I said, is there a, like a casting director I could maybe submit material to? Or is there a talent agent that you guys go through? And he, and he said, uh, oh, no, no, just send in your demo. We'll put you on the audition list. I said, great, sure, I'll do that. Hung up. I don't know what a voice demo is, but I'm hoping to learn about it in class with Bob. So then I go to class and it, you know, it's like that. You ever been a new student in school when you go, hi, my name's Kevin. I've got a master's in acting, but I don't know anything about voiceover. And three seats down, this guy says, hi, my name is Mike McFarland. For the last five years, I've been an actor, writer, director, and producer at Funimation, and I'm looking to branch out into other areas of voiceover. And I look over and I'm like, oh my God, this is the guy I've got to talk to. And so we're doing copy all morning and getting instruction from Bob. And then we take a lunch break. And he comes back. I'm, I'm sitting reading a book. I came back a little early and I hear this voice say, so you're from San Antonio, huh? And I look up and it's Mike. And I'm trying to be really cool and nonchalant, right? I'm saying, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, oh, and you work for, was it Fun Times or Funimate or something like that? <laughs> and, he's, and he said, yeah, yeah. I says, I'm a, uh, I do a lot out there. I said, well, you know, it's funny. I just called them and they said to send a demo in uh, for their audition list. So I hoping, I'm hoping to learn about a demo here, but maybe I could pick your brain sometime if you have, if I could, you know, take you to coffee or lunch or something. And he kind of rolled his eyes and went, ugh, the audition list. And I was like, what, 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 do you, what do you mean? He says, the audition list is a two-year wait. And I was like, oh boy, well, I got two years to figure out how to make a good demo, I suppose. And he said, no, 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 no. You know what? I, you're trained. I like your voice. You've got good control over it. Give me your contact info and I'll bring you in for something. And two weeks later, I was in recording on Case Closed. And it just has continued since then. That's the, that's the, that's the crazy, weird, the universe saying, I'm going to line all this weird stuff up for you to, to do what you want to do. So that's how I look at it. But that's my story. <laughs> yep. And that's the story of how I got here. <laughs> that's how story. So, yeah. So, and you, no one will ever be able to recreate it. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> of course not. Of course yeah. not. Um, I mean, you have to be really lucky, but even still, like <laughs> it's true. Uh, yeah, it it really is. It, I mean, it, just acting in general is is well. I I say luck. You have to be lucky, but yeah. you have to be prepared. You know, mm -hmm. so like you know, I get when I do panels at conventions about acting. You know, I know a lot of young aspiring actors and voiceover actors come in saying, well, I can do a thousand voices. You know, why can't I get cast? And I say, oh, well, yeah. not just that, this is not reading into a microphone. You know, you are bringing a character to life. 
what questions do you ask yourself when the moment you get in the booth? You know, why why is this scene important? What is my purpose in this scene? What is my purpose in the story? Can you work with a director? Can you take direction? I mean, so there's so many elements that you really have to have available to you. And thankfully, I had just come out of basically seven years of higher education and acting, still learning the techniques of voiceover, because that's that's kind of how I look at it. I'm an actor that does, I do theater, I do TV film, and I do voiceover. Acting is acting is acting, is asking questions and improvising and bringing a character to life, often under the guise of a creative vision of someone else, your director, right? But what changes is the stage you're performing on, whether it's a theater stage, a camera stage, or a microphone, like, you know, like this. Um, and so what you also have to learn is how to approach each stage differently. But at its core, acting is acting is acting. And if you want to work in this industry, you've got to be a great actor. Because, you know, I think a lot of people forget, too, this is an extremely competitive business. And your competition is great actors. So if you go in against someone who says, well, I've studied this technique and this is how I approach it. Here's my demo I had professionally produced. Here's my remedy. No. Oh, hey, buddy. Sorry. Sorry, the cat's in here. Compared to someone who goes in saying, I can do a thousand voices. Who do you think they're going to look at? You know, so that's just something you really have to keep in mind. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and it's so true because this is something that we just keep repeating over and over again. We just talk a lot on the podcast of how, like, acting, it's um, bringing a character to life. It's not how many Absolutely. different voices you can do or, like, not at all. Um, yeah. And um, I know that a lot of people, um, they want to be the next Mel Blaine or, like, Billy West, Tom Kenny, Billy West, and all those guys. Right. Um, but it's um, the reason why they are become, they have become, they're beloved and so well, they become, like, their industry legends is because they are just really great actors, first and foremost. Exactly. It's not just like putting on a voice, you know, just for, I mean, you can as in parties, just for, oh, you know, you, you like can. giggles sure. and stuff. I mean, you you and can go in yeah. and you can try to put on a voice and read lines, but you yeah. know, if there's no life behind it, if there's no inspiration, yeah. if you don't understand why the character is saying the words they're saying in a scene, you know, there, you have, you know, it, it, it's not, it's not a disembodied, uh, uh, thing. It's, it's, you, it, 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 a, a character is three dimensional and using my, I mean, I, I use my whole body when I, when I'm acting. I mean, me too. Know, Same. So, you yeah. know, it, it's, yeah. And, and, you know, and I know it's frustrating for people to hear that they're thinking, Oh, and, you know, and I also, I, I often add in a side note when someone says, well, I can do a thousand voices. I said, well, let's say you get into the union sag after they only pay you for four. Why are you going to worry oh, yeah. about 9,996, you know, or 996 voices when they're not going to pay you for that? You know, so you have to, uh, that's why on a demo, you know, you just want your top, like top five at most, you know, and then, the, and because the idea is that you can take those top five voices you've, you kind of, you know, put into the character soup that you have, and you can intermix them into other voices when you're in the session. But, you know, I mean, as you know, obviously that, you know, a voice demo is 60 seconds. That's all you get to show off. And that's your one opportunity. So you want to work on that and make sure that uh, that is actually in its top form and really represents you as an artist. Yeah, of course. Solid advice. So let's talk about some of your roles. Um, I know that your yeah. first major role you had was Harley Hardwell and Case Closed. So that was. Uh, how was the experience? Yeah. How, how did you feel like actually stepping into the booth and just, you know, voicing in an anime for the first time well he was actually that was actually the third time i'd gone in 
So okay. my okay. very first role was on Case Closed, and I'll never forget it, a character named Steve Jacobus. Okay. And I'm, I remember just being so embarrassed because again, I had never done, not only had I never done voiceover before, I had never done dubbing before. Now dubbing, because you're, you're, yeah. you're doing this little thing, right? Because not only are you trying to perform and act to the script, but you're also watching the footage and you're having to time it out and match flaps. So you, you, you know, you're, you're activating both right brain and left brain at the same time. And so I was like, what, what is going on? What is happening? And like, looking back, I think I had 11 lines, which today I could probably just do in probably about less than 10 minutes, you know, but it was an hour and a half when I do it. Now, Mike, I have to give kudos to Mike. And I, 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 I thank him every time as, as much as I can. He was so patient with me knowing that I had not had the experience. Oh, I, I mean, I was like, I'm one of those actors that says, no, don't pay me. I suck at this. You know, um, they did pay me for that <laughs> for that day. Uh, and there were some other factors like we had to, you know, because, you know, also the, you have to pause to fix the script sometimes, you know, so that and this, this is another reason why uh, we all record alone, because if if we're having to take time to fix a line because it's too long, too short, and you have the rest of the cast waiting to do their lines, that's just a waste of time and money. That's why we do dubbing alone. I know that a lot of people don't realize that if I can share that. Um, so then he called me in again a couple of weeks later to do a football player. Um, and so this is, but this is a, a funny, you mentioned this. So I do the football player, football player number two. And then he says, Kevin, uh, great. Now I'm going to, I'm going to have you audition for a character. I said, great. I had never done an audition at Funimation before. So I didn't know what the regular process was. And I found out that this was not the regular process. So I go in and, um, you know, we talk about the character a little bit. He shows me some footage of Harley. And then we kind of play with the voice a little bit. You know, he's a little younger, a little higher in the voice. So, he's, you know, he's a teenager. He's up here, right? Read some lines. Now, I found out later that that's usually how the auditions work. Auditions are we're usually held on a Friday night. You get your 15 minutes to go in. You pick a couple characters. You go in the booth. You're not recording to picture or anything. You're just reading the lines, getting some direction, reread the lines, and then you go home. And then you find out later if you got cast, right? We finished that part. He says, great. Now let's go record to picture. That's what I didn't know was different. So we go to a different booth. And I literally recorded maybe like two or three lines. And that was done. I was like, okay, great, great audition. Maybe I'll get it. I don't know. Two weeks later, I get a phone call saying, congratulations, you're Harley Hartwell. We need to book you for two episodes twice. So basically, I'm, I'm, I was going to record a, two a two-parter with one director. And then that same week, record another two-parter with Mike. I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm, I, I was nervous. I was excited. So I go in, and my director for the first two-parter was Chris Kazin, who was a very, has been very kind to me and a very good friend. Um, who's actually out here now directing in LA and acting in LA. Now, what I learned in that moment, and I, I, I want to give this piece of advice to every actor who's done an audition, a voiceover audition, and you get cast maybe a week or two weeks later, always ask to listen to your audition if they don't offer it. Here's why. So I don't remember really, because I've never done this before. And I didn't really quite remember the voice I had done, but I'm nervous and Chris is asking me questions. So this is your first time. And you know, how did you, how do you know, Mike, you know, and just making sure everything's kosher. So we start doing the recording and we kind of futz around my voice a little bit. And he says, that's the voice I want you to use. I said, great. We get about 10, 15 minutes in 
And I'm thinking in my head, I was like, this is not the voice I used for the audition. I think I was upper, I was higher in my register. He's, you know, he's older than Conan, but he's still a teenager, you know? And so I was like, Kiris, I think my voice is, may, it may not be high enough. I, I think, I don't think it matches what I did before. I can't tell. And I was like, you know, it's like, he was like, I like it. We'll just move on. I said, okay, okay. You know, not knowing what I should have done in that moment. We record all day, two, ep- no, we, we record most, yeah, all day get through like one episode, come in the next day to work on the second episode, right? And we're recording in this new voice and Mike comes in. I'm in the booth, there's a window and Mike comes in and I can see his face and they're kind of messing with me, pointing at me, laughing. And I'm like, oh, ha, 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 whatever. You know, I can't hear them. I can't hear what they're saying. And then Chris gets on the talk back Mike and says, hey, Mike needs you for one quick line and we're gonna go ahead and just stop and take lunch. I said, okay, great. So the moment I go over to Mike's thing, so I just need to record this one line for today. I said, okay. I record the line and sure enough, the very first note Mike gives me is, Kevin, remember he's younger, you gotta get up that higher register. And I was like, oh crap, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. I did the wrong voice with Chris. I had a feeling I should have said something. And so I did the line in the, you know, I'm, you know, I'm Harley Hartwell. I go back to Chris after lunch and say, Chris, we got a problem, man. I said, I remember how I kind of said I was worried about this. I should have, I should have asked more because Mike said it's higher, it's different. And Chris was like, you know what? I, I, I got you first. I mean, he may have cast you, but I love what you're doing. And I think we're going to stick with it. I said, okay, okay. I, I'm, I just, you know, there's a problem here, I think. And I, I really messed up here. I should have said something. I go in the neck, I get a call that night because we finish out with Chris. I get a call that night from the talent coordinator, Tara, which is Kevin, is there, I'm supposed to come in at one o'clock the next day. She goes, Kevin, is there any way you can come in at 10? And thankfully my day job at the time are, 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 is also, are also theater people. And they were like, yeah, we can work around you. We can work around you. So I go in at 10, assuming I'm gonna work with Mike for that next two-parter, right? I knock on Mike's door in his booth and it kind of opens up all like, you know, scary movie style and it's dark inside. I'm like, whoa, what's, I mean, I'm early, but that's, you know, if you're 15 minutes early, you're late to, to a set, basically. So I go around and I see Chris. I say, hey, Chris, is, is Mike, am I early? Am I late? He says, actually, Kevin, you're with me today. I'm with you today. And he says, yeah. I says, when you auditioned, did you record to picture? I said, yeah. He says, so what happened was, is he had you audition. And in that moment, in that instance, he cast you as Harley. What you recorded was a trailer that has already gone out on a DVD. The editors came to us last night for our show that we just did and said the voice is different and it's wrong. So now we have to go back and we had to re-record both episodes that day, re-record them with the proper voice that I should have, I should have, I should have said, hey, can I listen to my audition? Um, because it had to go out to Cartoon Network the next day. So it was, I thought I drove home thinking I will never get hired again. They hate me. I should have, I should have said something more that's on, that's on me. I, I you know, and uh, uh, they were both very gracious about it. Said, Hey, you know, I mean, cause look, you know, keep in mind that directors, they're working with multiple talent. You know, they're working with multiple writers. They're working with multiple episodes sometimes at the same time. I mean, they have so much going on that they're scheduling that I, I've kind of fell through the cracks. So, but it should have fallen on me to say, I need to listen to my, my audition. And so I figured that's it. My career in anime begun and it has ended, but thankfully both guys cast me again and other things, obviously. So um, that's the crazy story I have with, with getting Harley Hartwell.
I'm sure would love to hear how you got like Tagayuki Narumi and Rumbling Hearts and also I'd love to hear Full Metal Alchemist as Kane Fury. Oh, those, that's were very, those were very simple, actually. I mean, with Rumbling okay. Hearts, I, Rumbling Hearts was just your traditional audition. Like I said, Friday night, they would send us an email saying auditions are Friday night, pick a 15 minute slot. Uh, if it's available, I picked one, I go in, I read, got a call. Fury was slightly different. I actually didn't read for Fury. Um, I read for Scar and a scientist, but uh, Mike and Colleen felt I, whatever in their infinite wisdom uh, uh, with heard what I did They're with really the great. scientist. Yeah, they, well, they, 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 whatever I did was, I can't remember what, I, I mean, I must've done, I must've like, I, was, I did something like Fury-like for the scientist. They said, no, he, he, that, that voice would be great for Fury. So, which can sometimes happen. I mean, so usually when you audition for a company now, um, especially because everything's online, like I, like I had an audition for a, a live action dub just a couple of days ago and they, they sent the auditions for, for like eight different male characters, but they only want you to read for two because obviously they're going to get tons of auditions. They don't want, you know, they don't want eight auditions for me to listen to. So in that situation, I try to pick two that are very different vocally. That way they can actually come back later and say, you know what, we didn't pick you for either of these, but you sounded great. We think you're going to be perfect for this. And that happens all the time. So um, right. But uh, but after that, pretty much, I mean, nothing really besides that. Yeah. And I can't really think of any casting thing where it was. Uh, well, I mean, the only other thing that, you know, and this is a great feeling for any actor is when we don't have to audition, you know, where we got a call saying, yeah, we're just going to put you in the part, you know, which has happened a couple of times for me. So um, it, that definitely compared to getting replaced, which is an awful feeling. And I have a crazy story about that if you want to hear it. Um, I think we have about 10 minutes left, so go ahead. I could, I could do 10 minutes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I'm the original voice of Vladimir in League of Legends. One of my first jobs here in LA about 10 years ago. About a year after I did it, I get a phone, I get an email saying, hey, Vladimir's getting a new costume. Um, would you be available if there's some new dialogue to come in and record? I'm like, yeah, totally. I mean, who's going to turn down a job, right? Um, nothing. Crickets. So about six months later, I'm putting together my website. Uh, my first website, I thought, hey, it might be kind of cool to have like YouTube links of people playing Vladimir in League and see if I can link them to my website so people can see and hear the character. Oh, sorry, the other cat, the other cat sleeps on top of my booth. Dreamer. Ah, oh, she's fine. Um, and so I go on YouTube and I start looking, you know, Vladimir, Voice, League of Legends, and I see this whole series of um, Dreamer. Sorry, um, I hear this whole, I see this whole series of, of titles saying voices of league and different character names. I'm like, ooh, what's this? And I see Vladimir and I click it and I play it. And there were two things I noticed. One is that it was obviously somehow someone was able to pull the audio directly off of the server or whatever, because it was our studio audio. Um, no sound effects, no music, just the, the original audio. And the second thing I realized is that it wasn't me. It was someone much deeper, you know, great voice, great actor. I have no clue who it is. Um, come to find out a few years later that apparently the, there was a new producer when they were doing all the upgrade costumes, the DLC, who didn't like all the original writing and a lot of the original actors. And so he recast like 30 people or something like that. So wow. I was like, you know, that's the biz. Cut to. Yeah, sure is. <laughs> cut to 10 years later, I get an email from my agent. 
saying, Kevin, somebody called the office asking about your union status. Are you a paid up member? And at that time, I, I'm like, now I'm a paid up SAG after union actor. Nice. I'm like, what's it for? It's like, I don't know. The next day, I get an email from this guy saying, I'm the casting director for this company. We're doing a new game called Cards of Runeterra. Vladimir is going to be in it. Now, I read that sentence and thought, oh, you want me to re reprise the part, if you will, you know, that I originated. No. The client would like to know if you'd like to audition for it. I'm like, audition for my own part? Okay, sure. Why not? So I get the audition. Similar picture to what I had 10 years ago. Similar dialogue. But at the very bottom, it says, Vladimir is a character in League of Legends. We are not looking for a voice match to the original actor, but the essence of his performance. An audition that literally said, we don't want Kevin Connolly but we want someone who has the essence. And I didn't book it. And the, why, that, why that's frustrating. Well, I mean, you know, that's the business, but because it was a union job, it was a lot more money. And there we are. That's how, that's how crazy this business is. So I've been replaced twice on a character. Jeez. Maybe someday I'll return to it. Who knows? Someday. So uh, yeah. Um, is there like anything else that you want to share? Like any upcoming work or projects that you're working on right now that sure. doesn't involve you breaking NDA? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, uh, I mean, it's, it's been out for a couple of months now. I played German Joe Bear on Amaim. Um, I forget the subtitle of that, but I'm, that was a fun, fun villain to play. And then I'm back as the narrator on Welcome to Demon School, but I'm also playing, uh, voicing a teacher this season, season three, Mr. Hat, who I'm very excited about. And I'm trying to think if I have it. Sorry, stupid cat. Um, but uh, uh, that's the most recent stuff. I, I, uh, I don't think I have anything else really in the pipeline. I have one character I've been waiting, but again, this just goes, I can't tell you what it is, but I recorded it over two years ago. And so it's a video game, but that's how the video game business works. So, you know, there's still probably programming and it can take forever for something to come out. But the moment it comes out, I'll be sharing it with the world. So I'm very excited about it. Yeah. There we are. All righty. Yeah. Um, do you have like any last piece of advice to give to the people out there before educate we... yourself, educate yourself about acting, about home recording, about equipment, um, because if you want to compete, you've got to be prepared. OK, I've, I do some cast. Oh, there's the there's the cat. <laughs> what are you doing, Dreamer? Um, hello. 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 Hey, Dreamer, say hi. Selfish, <laughs> selfish. That's what you are. Um, but no, I did really, you know, it's it, Google things. I mean, I've had many people say, how do you get a voice demo? I said, well, look on Google. There's, there's, listen to demo, listen to demos, understand what makes a good demo great. Uh, listen to, to terrible demos, you know, what makes a demo terrible so that you don't make that same mistake yeah. and find your voice, find your unique voice. That's what you bring. Um, and, uh, and just enjoy the work, you know, bring, bring care, you know, it's, I'll finish with this is that Sometimes I, I, when I talk to young aspiring actors, I say, why do you want to be a voice actor? I said, well, I can be famous. I want to sign autographs and do conventions. I said, okay, but what makes you famous? He says, I just, by doing the shows. I said, well, what, how does that, how does do, what does that mean doing shows? And they can't answer that. And I say, look, commit to doing great acting work and success will follow. It has to, it, it'll be inevitable, but commit to the art of what you're doing. Because again, your competition is, your competition is always working harder than you. What are you gonna do about it? Ask yourself, why should somebody pay you money for your art, for your, your creativity? And then be prepared for anything that can come up. 
read those acting books, take those acting classes, read about how to record at home and, and look up equipment and find out what works best for you. Don't stop. Don't ever stop learning. I'm still taking classes uh, when I can from, from different areas. So it's, it's always about just learning, learning, learning. There we are. Right. So what's your social media? Where can people find your oh, stock? You super, super easy, though, of course, obviously, with uh, all the Twitter drama that's going on. Um, I am at Twitter oh, and Instagram at at Kevin M. Connolly. Um, I believe my Facebook page is Kevin M. Connolly official. And then I actually I'm on Twitch. I do a Twitch show with a friend of mine who is a heavy metal bassist in a couple of bands in England. Uh, and I'm Kevin Darkmoon, K-E-V-Y-N-D-A-R-K-M-O-O-N on Twitch. Come check it out every Tuesday, the Carl and Kevin show. And um, that's about it right now. I may be going back to Tumblr. We'll see what, what all this Twitter drama is all about. Why Tumblr? Wow. Okay. Well, I just um, saw, I just saw that, uh, I just saw that um, Ryan Reynolds has just moved back over there. So, uh, so he's the one, he's the one that, that saved me from testicular cancer. So I'm going to follow him wherever he goes. Oh, that's, uh, wow, that's... I can, I'll share that story next time if you want to have me on. <laughs> yeah, probably on another day. Another Absolutely, time. But yeah, no, but um, he, no, Deadpool right. saved me from testicular cancer. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we'll save that for part two. Part two, and we'll do it, we'll do it. Man. Yeah, um, so do you want to do like an outro for the podcast, anyways? Sure, uh, well, what's the podcast called again? Just remind the me. The Station Square Podcast. You can Station. say, my name is Kevin Connolly. I do this, this, blah, 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 blah. And you're watching the Station Square Podcast. Station Square. Station Square Podcast. Station Square. Yeah? Yeah. Got it. I'm Kevin M. Connolly. I'm an actor. And I invade your ears in anime. And you're listening right now to me talking to you on Station Square. Enjoy. There we go. <laughs> Yee. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, thank you so much, Kevin. Thank it's been you, a real friend. pleasure having you on. And if you've um, stumbled upon this video on YouTube, let me know your thoughts and leave a comment if you enjoyed this one. And stay tuned for more interviews coming whenever they'll be posted. <laughs> um, until then, this is Robert Jackson, and I'm out of here for the, at least for today, at least. So yeah, <laughs> I'll see you all next time. And yeah, take it easy, stay safe, stay happy, stay positive, and yeah. Adios, amigos. Adios. Bye. Peace.